Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was a wonderful word to piggyback upon. And um, I get really emotional about these ladies. I have three beautiful women here today with me um, from the Hoving Home. I began volunteering. Hopefully I can talk in a minute. I began volunteering there about five years ago. And the very first opportunity I had, I just attended a Bible study that a friend invited me to and asked me to stay after and do some arts and crafts with them. And I'm telling you, from the second I arrived, God gave me this incredible love for these ladies. And I started going pretty much on a monthly basis, and God just put on my heart, do more, do more, do more for these women. And um, he put on my heart to begin a ministry. I'm not, I'm not sure when it began. I would say two to three years ago called Good Measure Ministry that I do here at Full Gospel. And the ministry is specifically to provide meals on a monthly basis. We go, and on the fourth Saturday, we, we cook for the ladies. But um, before that, my sister and I had just wanted to do special things for the ladies. So we started doing these. Um, it started with a banquet that God told me very specifically say, you are loved. That was the name of the banquet for Valentine's Day. And many of you have sponsored the women here and contributed and volunteered there. And the whole purpose behind it, obviously, it meets a practical need for the home because it helps them provide a meal and saves them money. But it's really to show the extravagant love of God for these women. And when we do events, um, our special events throughout the year, we have the Valentine banquet, a Christmas banquet, a Father's Day brunch, a tea party. And when we do it, we do it up. So we, we decorate really nice. We make sure the food is fabulous. And we just love on the women. And that's where you as the body of Christ come in. Because what I'm looking for is more volunteers to touch these women's lives in a very practical way. Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So um, I have Tiffany, Nicole, and Des. They're from Desiree, I should say. I call her Des. <laughs> um, who are going to share a little bit about how the work that Full Gospel has done there has impacted them. And they have some testimonies and also opportunities to serve as a Christian family. And that's um, kind of when you adopt a lady, um, which is the opportunity Pastor Rick uh, mentioned. And we'll have a table in the back after both services if you want to ask specific questions. So Tiffany's going to come up first. Hi, Church. Good morning. Um, my name is Tiffany, and I am 45 years old. I come from Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I was born addicted to heroin and um, cocaine like when I was born. Um, my mother was a heroin addict who she gave me up for uh, like adoption. And I was struggling to live. I was in the hospital for two months because I was um, struggling like to to live as a little baby, um, and so um, like my like my um, biological mother, she was a heroin addict, and um, she didn't want me, and so um, she lived a life of drugs and alcohol, like in the streets and stuff, and she ended up she ended up getting murdered, and um, yeah, so um, that was really hard for me, you know, because I never knew who she was, and I always wanted to know, like, uh, there was a lot of questions, like who my dad was and why she gave me up, and and like I didn't have the chance to do that. Um, and like the lady that had raised me, she was like very uh, um, abusive and stuff, and so um, you know, like um, 
even though I had um, that stuff that was going on, like in my life, I did well in school. I did. Um, I made all state, state, um, in track and field, and but um, that was shattered because she kept me home from school due to my chores not done up to her expectation. So I was getting older in school, so I just dropped out of school, and I. Um, I turned to drugs and alcohol because she always said to me that I'm never gonna be nothing. And I was just like my mother and that's what I believed. And so um, I turned to drugs um, at the age of 20 and I struggled for 25 years in the street, like in and out of jail, like just hopeless. I didn't have no love. Um, I had no family, like all my family was um, like separated from me, it was like, very dysfunctional. Um, like it was like very hard, but deep down inside, that I knew that there was a God and that He loved me, and I just held on tight. And I just, um, I don't know. Um, he gave me strength. I, um, I can't, um, I can't remember. Like, um, like one day, I, um, I got stabbed in my leg. Um, in the streets, because in the streets it's like really, really hard. Like you live by the street, die by the streets. That's the saying, and I just had to live a life that I didn't, because I didn't know who I was. I had no identity, but today I do have identity. Yeah, yeah. because God is good, you know. And, um, and I, um, I almost lost my leg and everything. I got stabbed six times in my leg, and um, I got robbed from this girl that I used to hang with, and and I was giving her some money. She reached in my pocket, and you know. Like, uh, we started tussling, and then I got stabbed six times, and I lost um, a lot of blood in my leg, and I almost had a, um, I had a blood transfusion, and I still ended up getting high after that. Like, I was just like, I don't know, it was crazy, you know? But I know that God has something different. Um, I, um, but one day, I cried out, and I said, God, please, I need to get out of this. I don't know which way to turn. I, you know, like, just like horrible things keep happening to me. And if you are real, and if there's something they want me to do, I was like, I'll do it, you know. And then, like, instantly, I was set free. Like he, like, took the taste out of my mouth. Like, you know, like it was just like so, so amazing. So I, um, so like a friend, um, I was so desperate. I like walked into uh, like a teen, uh, like a teen challenge and. Providence. Um, I didn't want to go there because, um, like, it was like in the hood, like, right where I got high at. So they, um, they sent me to uh, the Walter Hoven home, and since I've been there, it's like I've been free. I've been like so, it's so amazing what God can do, you know. It's so amazing, and he, he made a way when I didn't see there was a way out, and he made a way for me. And then um, today I have a Christian family that has adopted me, and it's so it's so amazing because they so supportive and like just guided me like in my walk like with God. You know, I I never had a family that was supportive, and I never had a family like um, just this week, and I um. I spent the weekend with them, and you know, like we went um, shopping, and we had like a little dinner, like a family dinner. And I was sitting there, like just crying. I'm like, I'm so grateful to have a family, 
you know, you know, so God has, you know, like he's so, so good. And I know that I know that I know, <laughs> you know, and, and so I do. So what I do now is, you know, like I know that he has he has a plan for my life and oh my scripture. I'm sorry. Um, so the um, scripture that I stand on is Jeremiah 29 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord the plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in the future so I stand on that today you know like like with any um tasks that come my way I trust in God and I know that he's going to take me to um the other side so what I want to do like when I um complete um the program I want to do like unshattered um program it's for um it's like um they make bags for like uh, like women that are still like in addiction and they have their names and they sew their names in the bags and they pray over it so it's nice so I want to do that and and I want to share my testimony like all over the world so that's what I want to do so that's it Hi, my name is Nicole Brown. Um, I was a little nervous getting up here today, so in my devotions this morning, I was like, God, what do we do? And he just said, it's not who you are, it's who I am. So, here it goes. Um, when I arrived at the Hoving Home, I came in shackles. Um, I had just came from jail, and I had recently lost my father, and your church put on a Father's Day banquet and it was the most amazing thing because I had just lost my father and just to feel the love of a church and the love of unity and just how much our father really does love us. It impacted me so much and we come from places that are really real hurt and we come without hope and we come addicted and the the events that you put on, just we look forward to it. It just makes, we, we've just, we've revolved the whole day around it. And I just want to thank you guys. Um, you put on a penny social and I came with nothing. So, but I'm leaving with everything. <laughs> I came, I came with nothing. And uh, we had a penny social that you guys all donated jewelry. And I really did come in shackles and I left there with all kinds of jewelry. And I just, I'm just here to thank you, to just thank you for the love and for just coming together as a body of Christ and showing us, you know, that we, we come from somewhere where there's no love. So I just, I thank you. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Desiree. I am a associate staff member at the Hoving Home. I went through the program twice. Um, both times I was able to experience getting um, the Bible from your church. Um, particularly this time, it really resonated with me because I didn't quite get that Jesus is what interrupts the process of death and destruction. Um, but when I was thinking about what I want to tell you guys today, in Matthew 5.48, um, the message paraphrase, it says, In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up, your kingdom subjects. 
Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. It's been my experience with your church. It, they, you guys totally embody that scripture. And a byproduct of that is um, just the, the outward expression of extravagant and merciful love. I really just want to thank you for your involvement and for your continued partnership with us. It really, it means a lot. You have no idea. Um, the second time around, my family wanted nothing to do with me. And this is after they've already forgiven me for using drugs up until the day my daughter was born and just walking out and just being destructive and reckless and careless. So this time with good measure ministry and, and just pouring into us, you, you make us feel like we're valuable, like you invest in us when we don't feel as though we're worthy of any investment. So really, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you for allowing us to come here again today and, um, and share with you. We do have the table in the back. If you have any questions about Christian families, I'd love to discuss that with you. Or if you just want to chit-chat, we'd love to chat with you. Thank you for your time. Before I uh, break bread with you, I just uh, want to give you a little surprise of someone who also went through the program, and she wants to share what God did with her through it as well. Um, I have to get a tissue because Nicole made me cry. <laughs> that was beautiful, ladies. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing with us, ladies. I, um, 12 years ago, I went to the Walter Hoving home. I had been suffering from debilitating fear, which is <coughs> calming a little right now. I'd been suffering from debilitating fear, and um, I relied on anti-anxiety medicine to get through every day, and without that, there was nothing. And I got to the point where I couldn't even leave my apartment. I was one of those people that was housebound. Thinking back, it was just despair. There was no hope but God. God found a way to get me to the Walter Hoving home. I'm very blessed that I have a Christian family. Uh, my real family, my family that raised me was Christian, is Christian. And found the Walter Hoving home through some friends and encouraged me to go there. <clears throat> The Walter Hoving home was the hardest thing I ever did, but it was also the best thing I ever did. Through the Walter Hoving home, God changed my life. He gave me life. And um, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And I have so many good memories of being there. And one of them is of all the people that came and sewed into our lives. I remember the couple that would come and do Bible studies for us on a weekly basis. I remember another couple that came and spoke to women that had eating disorder issues. Um, on Friday nights, women would just be there doing nails for people after a long, hard week. You know, being at the home is very hard. You're in school and working all week. It's not, um, it's not a rehab or anything like that. You're a, in a discipleship program, and we go to school 
all week long. And so at the end of the week, there would be ladies there to give you a manicure or just to sit and talk. Or maybe at the end of a day, someone would want to go for a walk with you and give you a listening ear. And it just meant so much to have these people um, who would give of themselves to us. Of course, I'm blessed enough that I had my family that was able to come and visit me on Saturdays, but lots of people don't have that. Lots of people burned their bridges or their family is too far away. And I clearly remember the people with um, Christian families and how much fun that they would say that they had. And I was a little bit jealous because <laughs> I had my family, but I didn't get to go out and go to the movies with a Christian family. Um, but it was so nice for those people. I remember my friend Katie had a Christian family and she just would always tell me how lovely it was to just go have a family dinner and see the love of a real family that knows God. Um, of course, I clearly remember the pastor that would come and speak at chapel. <laughs> and 10 years ago, we got set up, and we're very um, thankful to our friends Sue and Robbie for that. Uh, let me just see if there was anything else that I wanted to say. Oh, I remember also I said we all had to work. Well, somehow I got put on the maintenance team, and I was <laughs> on the maintenance team forever, raking leaves and shoveling snow, and uh, a group of men did come and help us to rake the leaves. There's a, it's a very large property, and there are a lot of leaves, so I remember that was great. Um, but anything that, that we can do as a church family to help the ladies, um, volunteering, like I said, to go for a walk or a listening ear, or just coming and have a dance party on Friday night, bring some music. Uh, you know, we all have something to give, and these small acts mean the world to um, the ladies, and they meant the world to me. He's a good God, and he does good things, and he takes us from where we're at without any pretenses. And he ministers to us and he brings deliverance and healing to our lives. And I remember it so well in my life as well too. Going into Teen Challenge 33 years ago and how God uh, used that in my life. And I remember when I was there, my parents had passed on. And um, you know, I went there literally by myself. My brothers brought me there and they said, well, good luck and we'll see you. And they didn't see me, which, was, which I understood. I knew what I was going for. I knew that I needed Jesus and that was it. And um, God made a way through a church in a corner. I used to sell drugs right across the street from a church. Smart guy that I was. And, um, uh, you know, I ended up going to that church. And I ended up telling them what was going on in my life. And then Teen Challenge came. And from there, three months later, I'm in the, I'm in the program. And, and it, it, was, it was a good thing. It was hard, but it was good at the same time. And I remember... Um, <coughs> that people would come and they would cook meals. And that was really cool. And then, you know, the, the hard thing was, I remember when I went into Teen Challenge, it was in November. And then, um, and I remember we had Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is like my least favorite holiday. I, I, could, I could care less. But then Christmas was coming. And I was only a train stop. I was, all I had to do was go down the street, get on the train and go back home. So I remember saying to the Lord, I, I, you got to get me away from here because it's too tempting. The next day, I was in South Norwalk, Connecticut. And I'm like, well, I'm in the program. That's it. And it was, it was good. And I remember Christmas coming along and you get a, kind of you get a little sad because, you know, you remember 
Christmas, especially being Italian and all of this fresh fish and all of this in the presents. And you, so you're kind of like, wow, it's really different. <clears throat> I remember people come in the next day on Christmas Day, total strangers with all these presents and stuff like that. And there was a present with my name on it. And I was like, wow. And you know, like when your family give you clothes, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll wear this when I die. But somebody gave me, and I opened it up, and it was, it, was, it was a shirt. But it was a shirt, like, I would wear. You know, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. But it, it meant something. You know, people ministering to hurting people mean something. And people ministering to people whose lives were broken up and that God is beginning to put their lives back together means something. I want to share with you, and um, out of Luke 10, we're going to talk about, really quickly, we're just going to talk about the... Um, Life Lessons from the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to me, we'll quickly go through uh, what the Lord wants to minister to us and speak to us uh, on what the ladies have shared as well. So Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be starting in verse 25. And the lawyer stood up and put, and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law and how do you, and how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he answered, and, you say, and Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will, I will return and I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the lawyer, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Now when I was thinking about our, our time here and all of these things that um, happened. It's kind of funny that um, a lawyer would use his place and his position 
to try and test Jesus. He's a man of influence, a man who thinks he has it together, a man who's quick with his words, silver tongue. But this is a man with head knowledge and no heart knowledge. And Jesus, being who he is, ministers and speaks to the man where he's at. He asks him about the law and how he interprets it. And the lawyer wanted to justify himself uh, as a very unintended but yet important question. And that question was, is who is my neighbor? And it's a good question. And it's a valid question. And he asked the right question to the right person. You know, sometimes when we're looking for answers, we, we kind of throw it all around. They're trying to find the person that's going to have the answer. That sometimes fits what we're trying to do. And yet asking Jesus this question, or asking Jesus any question that we have on our heart, we always get the right answer. And we've always gone to the right person. So here's this, this lawyer trying to justify himself. And he asks a question, who's my neighbor? Even though the lawyer's heart was not in the right place, Jesus answers him unconditionally and non-judgmentally. He begins to tell him a story that is rich in a cast of characters. He talks about an ordinary man walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He tells him the road because back then as he's telling him, people are familiar with that road. Oh, that's a bad road. Don't go down that road. And this man meets an unfortunate band of characters, robbers. Now, this is, to me, this is like, wow, this is like right out of Netflix. I mean, who doesn't like a story with robbers? So here are the robbers. And robbers do what robbers do. They rob. They beat the man. They rob him. And then they leave him mostly dead, which according to Miracle Max is slightly alive. Well, those that didn't, it's a documentary called The Princess Bride. (laughs) But then there's a priest. The one you think would be priestly. The one who was on the same road, because that's what Jesus said. That then there's this priest comes, and he's on the same road. And matter of fact, he traveled in the same direction. Direction from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now being a priest, you would think that he had to do some priestly ministry there. So obviously he had to do some business in the temple. Obviously he had to do something in the presence of God. But something was not right with this man's heart. Because he was working out of duty and not out of relationship. For had he worked out of relationship, he would have ministered to this man. But because he fulfilled his religious duty, this man to him was a nuisance. So he crossed the way on the other side. Then there's a Levite. Same road, same starting point, same response as the priest. It's not my problem. But then there's a Samaritan. Same road, but a different starting point. A different response. He had compassion. He got involved. He bandaged his wounds. He gave him a ride. He gave him shelter. He spent the night with him. He opened his wallet. 
He was committed to this stranger's continued healing. He gave him shelter. He fed him. And he changed his bandages. Now, when you ask Jesus a question, sometimes Jesus throws a question back at you. And I like that sometimes Jesus turns the tables, not only on the lawyer, but also on us at times. And so Jesus asked him a question. He said, let me ask you a question now. You've heard my story. And, you, and he says to him, which of these three proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the lawyer says, well, the one who had compassion on him. Great thing. And Jesus turns to him and says, well, then you do the same. Now, what about us? How do we prove ourselves neighborly? Do we take the priestly route? Well, you know, life's kind of busy. I've done my religious duty. I've given my tithe. I've given, you know, some of my talent, but not all of my talent. Are we like the Levite? You know, is, do we just come here again? We've, we've worshipped the Lord. We've done our Sunday duty, but we go on. It's not my problem. I don't want to get involved. Don't want it to, to, to alter my lifestyle. I'm too busy. I've got things to do. Too much on my plate, God. Or are we like the Samaritan? Are we willing to get involved? Are we willing to bandage others' wounds? Are we willing to give shelter? Are we willing to spend time with people? Are we willing to open our wallets? Are we willing to be committed to the healing of people we do not know? I want to close, I want to close out with a scripture from Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God has something for each and every one of us to do as it pertains to the ladies. The greatest thing we can do is follow the example of the Samaritan and give of our time, give of our talent, give of our wallet, give of our lives, and minister to those whose lives are being put back together. Pastor Rick. Amen. Amen. We're going to take an offering in just a minute for the Walter Hoving home just to sow into that ministry. I want to encourage you this morning. You know, many times in life we are given opportunities that we can either seize or we can allow to drift right past us. And this morning one of the moments where we can you know, we can choose to get involved. What an awesome opportunity to sow into the lives of people who testified this morning. I mean, those testimonies, wouldn't you like to sit down and just unpack some of that with them? Wouldn't you like to laugh and cry and, and pray and just be a healing balm to someone's life? You know, many of us have homes that would be a blessing to others, that if we would just take the time to open up, oh, but, you know, I'd, I'd have to clean, I'd have to get it, you know, make it sparkle. You know what? Forget about that. Take the plastic off your couches, you know, live in your house a little bit, 
and open your doors. I'm just going to pray before we take an offering that God would touch every heart that he needs to touch this morning because some of us need to go out there and sign up and open our homes and get involved. Some of us need to sign up and help Jen do what she does over and over again many times, you know, without the support that she needs. And, you know, I'm just going to pray that God would stir our hearts. Father, I pray this morning that you would stir our hearts that we'd see an opportunity, Lord, to invest ourselves, to not be like the priest and the Levite and just pass on by and say, not my problem, not my duty. But, Lord, the, the Samaritans were ungodly people. They were, they were really, you know, the dregs of society. Yet here we see that someone who's maybe at the bottom had the right heart while the people who thought they were at the top, the religious people, they missed it. God, help us not to miss it. If you're tugging on our hearts, if you're, you, you know, Father, I know the people out there that know they're supposed to be involved are feeling the Holy Spirit right now. So Holy Spirit, draw us and speak to us and get us involved, Lord, so that we can be a blessing and we can be blessed. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, let's come, let's sow an offering.